0: In this month's Dhamma podcast, we present Chapter 5, The Course Experience, After, from the upcoming audiobook, Realizing Change, by Ian Hetherington.
1: Chapter 5, The Course Experience, After. Vipassana is an art of living. Once someone has sat a course, they will know the basics of the technique and have enough personal experience to be able to decide whether the practice suits them. The purpose of Vipassana is always practical, to apply the benefits of meditation in real life. We go to a hospital for treatment, to recover strength and improve our physical condition. Likewise, we come to a Vipassana course, not for a holiday, or socialising, or as an escape, but to equip ourselves to deal more effectively with daily situations and improve the quality of our life. Not that we become perfect by taking a course. Beware of unrealistic expectations. The habit patterns we've unwittingly created over the years can be very resistant. Back again in everyday life, facing the same problems and pressures as before, we can't run off somewhere quiet to remember what we learned on the retreat. Fortunately, however, that plunge deep inside ourselves will come to our aid. Perhaps we will still react to various unwanted situations, but now less violently than before and for a shorter period. This itself is a major achievement. If we maintain a daily meditation practice, it soon becomes possible to remain aware of the breath and the sensations, so that when some crisis arises, a part of the mind can observe our own reactions without being totally overpowered by external circumstances. To our surprise and delight, we find a shock absorber has been installed, a wonderful deconditioner for the mind. Now that we have returned to the big wide world, how do we build on what's being gained and keep growing on the path? Just as it was during the course, our commitment to maintaining the practice and working correctly is essential for success. Expect difficulties. After all, we are no longer in the protected atmosphere of the course, and become experts at overcoming them. The technique of vipassana is clear, logical, non-sectarian, experience-based, producing nothing but good for the individual and society. But still, unfounded criticisms might come. All the old suspicions, especially in the West, about meditation and those who get involved in it may surface. Explanations will go only so far towards convincing doubters that the practice of vipassana is a healthy development. The way we live our lives and the positive changes we can bring to them will have a far greater impact. We try to practice morality, concentration and purification of mind, sila, samadhi, panya in Pali, not just in our meditation, but wherever possible in our regular activities too. This requires willpower on our part to create some new routines and it requires acceptance by others of changes in us which they may not immediately welcome. Hey, the crowd might say, why don't you just forget all that meditation nonsense and have some real fun for a change? What you need to be happy is a good party. A few beers inside you, a few pills, a few smokes and pull a partner for the night. And so, here we have it, conflicting models of our prospective lives, of our very self, standing eyeball to eyeball. How will it turn out? Only we can decide, every time. It takes wisdom and strength of character to resolve these contrary forces. Daily sittings themselves often provide the roots through such dilemmas, but there is no easy formula. Sorting out the practicalities helps. At home, finding a quiet, comfortable place to meditate without disturbance is a must. It helps to fix more or less regular times in our daily programme for sitting. We try to practice properly, remembering the basic principles of awareness and equanimity. And if we forget it all or get stuck, we can always get a teacher's guidance but each individual is his or her own master. There is no gurudom in vipassana. We have to meet the challenge of keeping up our meditation and applying the teaching in everyday life alongside normal work and family commitments. Meditators should evaluate their own progress on the path using various criteria, such as instead of hurting others, Have I started helping them? How am I behaving in unwanted situations? Am I reacting as before or am I remaining more balanced? Am I becoming less self-centered, giving generously without expectation of anything in return, showing compassion, developing gratitude towards those who help me? Am I establishing my meditation on a sound foundation by keeping the moral precepts day to day. We will make mistakes, of course. The test is whether we can learn from them. Rather than creating new tensions, can we smilingly acknowledge our blunders and attempt not to repeat them? We participate in and enjoy life to the full, understanding in high times and low that change is bound to come. We cannot stop the flow of events, but we can influence their direction. When elation or depression come knocking, vipassana helps us keep a level head. And this detachment does not mean passivity or indifference to suffering. Watching and waiting, even for a split second before acting, actually makes for a more creative contribution. We become more capable of tackling tricky situations with calmness and confidence, kindness and good sense. The path is ultimately a solitary one, but we do not walk it alone. Friendship born of compassion is at the heart of Vipassana. There are so many ways to get support for our own practice and to help others. Weekly sittings with other local meditators or weekend retreats recharge our batteries. Volunteering service, for instance on a course or at a centre, is the greatest gift of our time and skill. Worldwide, the network of Vipassana contacts is extensive and expanding. Everywhere, from Ulaanbaatar to Texas, Taipei to Milan, Johannesburg and Mumbai, The principles, the practice and the format of the teaching is the same. Via the internet, the virtual community of vipassana is just a keystroke away. Meanwhile, real communities of families and friends are growing up around the retreat centers themselves, those rare places dedicated solely to meditation and service. In brief, I'd say that I've had ten days of discovery. This course was like a key that opened a door to the real truth, real happiness, real understanding. To me, the most important advantages of Vipassana are that it gives us an opportunity to experience the law of nature in ourselves, and it's also easy to practice. The door is open, and now I have to make my first steps on the way to myself. I hope my will is strong enough to keep on practicing. I thank my fate for giving me Vipassana. Mariana Igelnik, age 19, is a medical student in Moscow. I have practiced Vipassana meditation every day for three months now. The rewards are great. The change in my life is enormous. I used to drink alcohol every day to survive the stress, and now I can live without it. I was having a lot of trouble with my son, but since I learned not to react and not to get too angry, the relationship has taken a positive turnaround. I used to get a lot of headaches and take a lot of Panadol. I don't get so many headaches now, and I can, most of the time, control them with regular meditation. I can get more done in a day because by clearing my head I have a clearer view of life. Right now I'm pushing myself to live in the here and now. Worrying about tomorrow was causing me stress and wasting valuable time. It's like being a child again. There's this feeling of timelessness. I used to think I could never afford two hours every day just to sit and meditate. I'm finding now that I can go to bed an hour later and get up an hour earlier so the time is not the big issue that I believed it would be. Heather Downey, Australia. The Buddha taught that we must not have blind faith in his words. Instead, we should discover their truth for ourselves. So I realized at my first 10 day course, I would have to determine if Vipassana meditation really works, if it really helps me reduce misery and develop equanimity. I didn't have to wait long for a test. I worry a lot about lack of money. If there's one area of my life that I could use a little more equanimity, it would definitely be financial. When I was checking out my first Vipassana course, I had the chance to see the effects of this meditation in action. I had been wary of turning my wallet over to the registrar when I first checked into the course. Although I was given a plastic bag and masking tape to wrap and seal it in, I watched anxiously as the valuables box in which my wallet was placed sat unattended for much of that first afternoon. Ten days later, when I went to retrieve my wallet, I can't really say I was that surprised when I found that it wasn't in the box. I was surprised by my reaction to the loss, though. No intense anxiety. Yes, I was concerned, and I was glad that a young man offered to trace the valuables box back to its source in another room. Even when he returned five minutes later with empty hands, I noticed that I still felt pretty calm. When I began giving myself a hard time about entrusting my wallet to the box, I'm worrying about how to replace my various credit cards and license. I wash some dishes and watch the thoughts go by. My mind stayed pretty clear. I remembered that the valuables box looked different than it had ten days earlier. Sure enough, after another ten minutes of searching, the young man returned with my wallet. The valuables had been transferred out of one box and into a second, and my wallet had been left behind. It isn't always quick and easy to evaluate the results of the personal practice, but I think little events pop up along the way to give us insight into our progress. The road to liberation is long, Goenka says, but each step along the path is worthwhile. Is all of my anxiety about lack of money gone? Not by a long shot, but every experience of being more equanimous encourages me in my practice. Barry Noble, a mediator and teacher, took his first course in the Northwest Vipassana Center, Washington, USA, in 1998. As a postscript, he adds, I remain amazed that Vipassana produces enough worthwhile results that I still devote two hours daily to sitting. When 1994 turned into 1995, I was sitting my first 10-day vipassana course in Dhamma Mahi, France. I found the course quite hard and confronting, but also, especially afterwards, highly inspiring. I knew I'd come into contact with something I'd been looking for, yet without knowing it. There was also a strong realization that this meditation technique would likely be with me all my life, and I wanted to get firmly established in it. When a course is coming to a close, Mr. Goenker advises his students that if they find this technique logical, result-oriented and beneficial, they should practise one hour in the morning and one in the evening. So I also started meditating like this when I got back home. For half a year, sometimes struggling, I managed to sit these two hours and I kept on getting good results. I was less irritated, my concentration was better, which helped me when studying, and I found it easier to deal with the 56 other students in the housing complex. In the summer of 1995, I flew to Bangkok to start a two-month trip through southern Thailand, Malaysia and Sumatra, after which I would return to Thailand to sit my second Vipassana course at Dhamma kamala just before returning to Holland but after six and a half weeks of travelling and feeling very open towards everyone I met, my trip came to a premature and most unexpected close. One morning in Sumatra, I went for a walk after meditating. I was joined by three Indonesian young men who socialised a bit, asking me for my name and origin. They walked along with me, until we'd left the village far enough behind. And then I wondered why my head was exploding. I couldn't see anything anymore, and just felt very intense sensations on my head. When I got my sight back, I saw that the three had spread out, and that one of them had hit me on the head with a big stick that he'd picked up. Then I realised I was being robbed. They beat me some more, and after frightening minutes, my hands and feet were tied, Bleeding heavily, I was put in the bushes beside the road. Then they left. For a brief moment, I accepted the fact that this was the moment I would die. But then there was a very strong push, an impulse from within which made me continue. I realised that my head wound needed treatment rapidly and also that my attackers could still come back. And at that very moment, When I could have been completely absorbed by the situation, something happened which gave me a moment of rest at the time I needed it most. I untied my hands and feet, and for a short time I just sat there beside that road, practising Vipassana. I was aware of the sensations on my body and maintained equanimity towards them, realising they were just arising and passing away. I understood that, Though the sensations were intense, they would not last forever, and this allowed me to observe them instead of being overpowered by them. After a while I started moving and thinking of ways to solve the troublesome situation I was in. I was found by other travellers, who helped me most wonderfully, and I was repatriated to Holland where I could recover. When these people had found me, one of them started cursing the boys, The practice of Vipassana enabled me to feel nothing but sincere compassion for them. Their lives must be full of negativity, aggression and greed, and I felt really sorry for them. What they did was absolutely wrong, and if possible, I thought, they should be punished for their deeds. Yet I was aware that by feeling hatred towards them, I would also be full of negativity, which would definitely not help me at this time when I needed all my energy to bring the situation to a good end. Of course, back home, aggression came, hatred came, desire for revenge came, rage came, sadness came. I'm definitely not an enlightened person. But still, all this time, there were moments of equanimity, of facing the situation with a balanced mind. And these moments have been so helpful they are invaluable. Now, with psychiatric treatment, I had to work for a year or more to be freed from the stress and the problems I had generated in reaction to this robbery. I can only imagine how much more time and effort it would have cost me had I not been supported by Vipassana. At times in this first year after the robbery, it was too hard to meditate, even Anapana. Yet the fact that the meditation had been so incredibly helpful and the results so enormous after only one course and half a year of regular practice, this ensured that I would come back to it. When the time was right, I sat a second course. When the retreat was over, a fellow student asked me what kind of results I was getting so far. I answered him in vague, broad terms that it was helping me in various ways he somehow kept coming back to this question and I kept avoiding a specific answer. Just before the last day was over and we were all going to bed, he asked me, OK, just give me one example of a situation in which Vipassana has been beneficial to you. I then told him this story and he understood the source of my inspiration. At age 24, turned Zoderant from the Netherlands, has an MA in Arts and Sciences and an MA in Science and Technology. Job offers are on hold until he has completed a year of sitting, serving and studying Pali at the Vipassana International Academy, Igatpuri, India. What have I gained from practicing Vipassana? As a result of observing the nasal and ear passages, my sinuses have become much clearer and I can smell many things which I have not smelt in decades. A walk up the road a couple of days after the course was a delight. I am now very much more aware of previous bad habits in relation to talking and listening and can mostly catch these quite quickly. Some situations are still quite difficult in this regard but I remind myself that all things can change. My driving slowed down by about 20 kilometres per hour, or 12 miles per hour, which pleases my wife. I'm much more patient with other drivers and much more often look for the possibility to be generous with people who want to change lanes or get out of side streets. I get body sensations if I become impatient or inconsiderate in my driving. I've steadily attacked piles of papers lying around the house and completed or begun jobs which I have long procrastinated over. Some of these seemed like huge mountains and required a lot of courage and persistence. But I began to do these things today instead of tomorrow. Every day I do something towards tidying up old messes and mostly catch myself but I'm about to create a new one. I've become much more considerate of my wife in the things that I do around the house. In my newfound zeal, I have at times made mistakes, sometimes quite big ones. This has led to some suffering, but eventually I realise that I'm craving or avoiding something and I'm able to move on from the mistake. My impulsiveness and impatience are still there to some extent, but it feels like they're diminishing with each painful lesson. Talking with friends and relatives has been much more about real issues rather than avoidance of these. I've tried to temper my enthusiasm and allow my new karma disposition to be present, listening more and not judging, often knowing things about people before they tell me and knowing when to hold back also. In some cases, When others are speaking very critically about third parties, then I feel distressed and find it difficult to remain equanimous. This will require further concentration or the prevention of such situations. There are many things that I have worked out by the intellect in my life, as I generally have not had faith in the teachings of others. Vipassana has allowed me to directly experience so many things, that it's truly created an entirely new reality, or should I say that, it has dispelled many illusions. This hasn't always been comfortable, and I know that further discomfort lies ahead, as I now feel firmly established in continuing to keep on taking one more step down that road. There have been periods of doubt and confusion, particularly involving the fact that my wife is practising a different technique, It seems that I am finding an acceptance of this now, but I also know that there may be some more lumps in the system. Learning Vipassana has been the greatest gift I have ever received, and my life has been changed so much that it can never be the same. I know that I will give assistance to others who also want to take this ride, but otherwise the future seems so much less certain than it did before. Who knows what tomorrow will bring? Ron Thompson, New Zealand. After I did my first course in April 1997, I felt that by getting Vipassana, I was more privileged, much more privileged, than if I had won the lottery. Having since done a few more courses, I haven't changed my mind. Sheila Kerwin from London as a secondary school teacher of math and science. When I went back to work, most people recognized and appreciated my change. They said I was less aggressive, even though they used to consider an aggressive lady could manage the work better. They found out that by becoming less aggressive, I could achieve more. My professional environment became less tense and associates were more cooperative and cheerful. Being a patient and firm lady manager, I did not lose anything and gained more ease in working relationships. Dhamma provided me with guidelines, such as, if I want something to get done, better to do it myself rather than waiting and asking another person to do it for me, with my mind in high agitation. When I do tasks which are not part of my job, like helping and showing others what to do, people are not taking advantage as I previously feared. Rather, they do exactly what I want, and tasks are done more quickly and efficiently. I remember Goenkaji's teaching. Set an example. Needless to say, I have to sacrifice my ego. Why does an important person like me have to do such lowly work? But as times pass by, I've grown to love the low-profile lifestyle. I found the taste of peace within, and I started to develop more harmony with others around me. Tanda Win, Myanmar Where to begin? I feel I've gained so much from Vipassana. It's now 20 months since I did my first course, 10 months since I decided to discipline myself to an hour's meditation twice a day, and 4 months since my last 10-day course. Since I began practicing 2 hours meditation each day, I've stopped smoking cigarettes and cannabis. I don't take alcohol and have stopped having caffeine. This may sound like a chore. It's not all strictly part of the technique. But being by nature quite an addictive person, I feel set free from the constant craving for highs, nicotine, alcohol, food, sex and all. I've become celibate since my first course, more or less. Not out of self-deprivation, but out of an inner calmness of being freed from my tortures of lust and craving for sex, attention, mutual need, love. I don't necessarily intend to be celibate forever, although if this is the case, it's okay, but I am prepared to wait until I find the right partner for me. So that is what I've been able to do without. Since doing Vipassana, I've moved from being a staff nurse on an acute psychiatric ward to a charge-grade psychiatric nurse working in the community. I find that I can concentrate more on people's problems and think more clearly. I can organize my day in an efficient manner and have enough energy to keep going. If I find that I'm flagging or I'm being overwhelmed by the sheer volume of work then I take 10 minutes out to meditate and this is usually enough to calm my mind, give me energy and quite often find a solution to whatever difficulty has arisen. Personally. I don't suffer the mood swings and the lows that were such a large part of my life before.
0: If I do find
1: myself having negative thoughts, I'm much more aware of these now in their early stages before they overwhelm me. I almost always remember as I'd forgotten my sitting. If I then meditate, they go away again. I'm much calmer now. I don't get anxious about day-to-day issues and the anxieties I have about more major issues I deal with before they become a burden. As a community psychiatric nurse, a large part of my job is to meet with and assess people who are basically going through the same lows, anxiety, out-of-control feelings, and the same craving for sex, drugs, food, and so on that I've been through myself. I consider myself very fortunate to have found a way out of this madness endless craving and aversion. I find that I'm filled with a great deal of empathy for what these people are going through and feel more qualified to help them because of it. One day, perhaps, I can be part of a Vipassana centre that helps people with the problems I see every day, week to week. Vipassana has had a positive effect on every aspect of my life. I meditate for an hour before going to work and it leaves me with a calmness, clarity and energy. I meditate when I return home from work and I feel refreshed. The stresses of the day are gone. Again, I find peace, my peace. Tony White, UK. On July 4th, 1982, When Michael from Ireland was 19 years old, he was involved in a serious motorcycle accident which left him with a fractured skull, a strained spine, a badly broken left leg and other less severe injuries. Two days later he lost the feeling in his body and became paralysed from the neck down. Michael spent the next few months in a rehabilitation centre in Dublin his walking recovered reasonably well during this period, although over the coming years, on a few occasions, he was described as an invalid because of his disability. To relieve some of the pain and try to overcome his difficulties with walking, Michael took a course in self-hypnosis in 1985, but with little or no success. Sometime later, he began to buy books on meditation to learn more about the mind. and In 1996-97, Michael went to the US where he tried a number of different meditation techniques but found nothing that suited him. A healer friend in New York recommended Michael try vipassana saying he thought it would be good for his condition. I sat my first course at the meditation center in Massachusetts and quickly took a liking to this very focused and one-pointed technique but I faced a lot of difficulties. I had been spastic since my accident, and trying to sit still during meditation, pain would arise in my legs, which would trigger off spasms, causing the legs to jump. Whenever tension arose in my legs, I would move them, as I always had done since the accident, to try to avoid this reaction. When the legs were still, my meditation was reasonably good, but once they started jumping, or I needed to move them, the concentration was gone. At the end of the course, I wanted just to get right back into this intensive meditation and develop it as much as possible, as quickly as possible. However, there was a shortage of volunteer workers at the centre, so I served the next two 10-day courses. Serving, I found to be like sitting a mild course. One still gets the chance to sit in meditation at least three hours each day and watch the video discourse. One still gets to learn an awful lot about vipassana. During my second course, I got fed up with my spastic legs and the way they distracted attention away from my meditation. By day six, I'd had enough of this problem and decided to try and totally ignore the tension, pain, spasms, and just let the legs jump or do whatever they wanted to do. Whatever will be, will be, I thought. For the rest of that day during meditation, my legs continued to jump. Despite this, in a determined manner, I tried to focus totally on that part of my body where I was observing sensations. When I got to my legs, I would just observe the discomfort as another sensation, even smiling at the discomfort there, as if it was of totally no importance. Once I'd finished observing sensations in the legs, I would ignore this area, and continue on to observe the rest of the body and associated sensations. On day seven, I continued to meditate in the same determined way. By now, I began to notice that the tension arising in my legs was not as great as before. As the day unfolded, the tension continued to decrease. By the day's end, I was very glad I would made that decision to ignore my spastic legs, for there was no more tension. No more spasms, and my legs were still. It was only then I realised the importance of just being the observer and not reacting. That night in bed, I was able to relax straight away. Previously, since the motorcycle accident, this would only be possible if my body was physically tired. Otherwise, I would always be turning and twisting. Michael Egan, Ireland Since that first course, Tim and I have walked together step for step on the path. All of our relationships have improved, and our old bad habits faded away. After that first course, I never smoked marijuana again, because I never had a desire to do so. I couldn't conceive of clouding my mind with a drug after having worked so hard to clear it. Through consistent practice over the years, we've overcome most of the tension in our relationship and certainly have a tool for dealing with it when it does arise. We often tell our family and friends that it is Dhamma that saved our marriage and it is Dhamma that keeps it strong. Today we teach together in the same elementary classroom and spend most of our time together, happily. Dhamma works. Karen Donovan, USA I'd just like to add that 95% of the initial appeal to people like me when hearing of Vipassana is the obvious integrity with which your organization and courses are run and funded. Thank you for making meditation and a respected teacher both acceptable and accessible To the West, and in particular to my socialist tradition. Robert Byrne from southern England is training to be a homeopath and working part time as a care worker with the elderly. About radical politics, he adds I seem to be less involved in non violent direct action these days. However, the influence I now exert on the bigger picture by meditating, though it may appear less, is undoubtedly more positive.
0: Find this and many more podcasts at Pariyati, a non-profit publisher who offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information, please go to www.pariyatti.org. That's pariyatti.org. For more information about Vipassana meditation, please visit www.dhamma.org. That's dhamma.org.